and welcome back to your favorite sports podcast, All Good Points. This week, we're getting back to football, specifically the NFL, starting with our games of the week. Moving on, I'm going to be talking about some division front runners that, frankly, I'm a little bit shocked by. Also, which teams need to start thinking about draft picks? I know you might think it's a little bit early, but I'll explain a little bit later. Last but certainly not least, our fantasy news of the week and Rick's Picks. Remember to rate and review all good points on your favorite podcast platform. It's all sports, all players, and all good points. Now let's get to it. All right, so first up on our games of the week is the LA Chargers versus the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the Chargers pulled this one out, but it really came right down to the end. If Tyler Lockett catches that end zone pass, maybe it ends up a little bit different. But let's go over some stats really quick. Phillip Rivers, a.k.a. Angry Phillip, went 13 for 26, threw for 228 yards with two touchdowns. Melvin Gordon had 16 carries for 113 yards and one touchdown. My dumbass really should have started him, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Mike Davis, on the opposite side, their running back, Seattle's running back, had 15 carries for 62 yards, and Russell Wilson went 26 for 39, 235 yards, two touchdowns, but his one interception was a pick six, and that's really what changes the game right there. But let's take a look at time of possession. Seattle had 35 minutes and 41 seconds compared to the Chargers' 24 minutes and 19 seconds. Seattle was controlling the game, essentially, right? Then let's let's look at first downs. Seattle had 25 first downs compared to the Chargers' 18 first downs. If you look at the stats from a, st- a statistical standpoint, sorry, it took a little bit to get that word out, but if you look at the stats, minus one stupid decision by Russ, Seattle wins that game. And and if you look at that play, like just think about that play, you kind of got to take it into perspective or perspective when he threw that interception. I, I, to this point, do not know what he was thinking because Desmond King read that route the whole entire way. Like, and it, the interesting thing is, I don't know how Russ didn't see him reading that route. Now, we can get into, you know, Russ's mistakes and things like that that lost them the game, which is essentially what happened, but they did rally back and have a final chance to, you know, win. But Seattle has some weird play calling when they get in these kind of situations. If you take a look back at their Super Bowl against the against the Patriots, you know, one yard line, you might as well run the ball. Like it's it's smarter to run the ball right there with Marshawn Lynch than to pass it. And with Pete Carroll calling the shots, it kind of seems like they're, they're so skewed towards passing in bad situations. And that's kind of what happened on the interception. That's what happened when they got down to, you know, score the last goal of the game or score the last touchdown of the game. Maybe, you know, it's just play calling. You know, it's not necessarily Russ. It's just play calling. So you kind of got to take that into perspective a little bit. Take a look at it. Don't blame Russ for, you know, what happened. He did make a very dumb decision in the beginning of the game. That cost his team six points. And you kind of got to think about the turnover swing. A lot of coaches will talk to you about the turnover battle because that's something that's very, very big in the NFL right now is the turnover battle. Did you win it or did you lose it? And usually if you lose the turnover battle, you probably lost the game. Now, there are some teams that have rallied back and, you know, had a ended up winning the game even though they lost the turnover battle but more often than not if you if you turn the ball over more than the other team does 
it just means that they have more of an opportunity to create points. And on that particular play, that went for a touchdown. You can't have that. You can't have those kind of mistakes in the league now because it seems like when teams get the lead, they keep it. You know, the, the, the lead changes aren't necessarily happening too often. So if a team's getting out, uh, getting out in front of you, it's more likely that they're going to win the game. If you, even if you look at like the percentages that like jump, like, you know, probability to win, you know, after that play, the Chargers probability to win probably jumped up a lot because of one particular play. And that's the interesting thing because it's all play calling. And on that one play, it was a bad decision for Russ to make. You could have thrown the ball away. You could have dumped it off to a shorter route. I mean, you could have you could have ran for it. You know, you could have scrambled a little bit, picked up a couple of yards and continued the drive. But instead, he made a bad decision. And unfortunately, that decision came back to bite him in the tushy. Okay, but let's talk about the Chargers for a second. Now, the Chargers are kind of rolling. You know, the Chargers are they're kind of peaking at the right time in college football. A lot of analysts are saying that Michigan is peaking at the right time. The Chargers are peaking at the right time. But can they continue that? The funny thing is, or not necessarily funny, but the good thing for them is that they're going into Oakland. Um, And it's one of those things where Oakland still hasn't got any pieces together, not like one piece or, you know, a couple of pieces. They haven't gotten any pieces together. So you look at their schedule and you're like, ah, oh, they got to play Oakland. That's probably another win. You know, if I'm a, if I'm a betting man, which I am, I've got to take the chargers over Oakland, regardless of what the spread is because Oakland can't get anything together. And since the chargers are playing so hot right now, it seems like they've got a clear path to the playoffs. Um, so the real interesting thing is what are they going to do if and when they get there? So once we get closer to the playoffs, we'll probably take a look at the teams that are actually in and maybe analyze the Chargers a little bit more about how well, they, how well they'll do. But let's take a look at the Seahawks. The Seahawks have a difficult schedule, very, very difficult schedule going forward. They're playing teams like the Packers, the, uh, the, the Rams, the Panthers, the Vikings, and the Chiefs. Like out of all of those games... I could really only see them beating the Packers. And that's like if the Packers mess up, you know, that's if they have a game like they did against New England, like if they have that kind of game, they're probably going to lose to Seattle. But um, Aaron Rodgers does pretty well against Seattle. So honestly, what I see is Seattle is on his way, uh, is on their way to another mediocre season, finishing eight and eight and missing the playoffs. Now let's talk about the pieces that they've lost, which have got them to this point. Okay. Now the Legion of boom, let's just talk about that. They lost Richard Sherman. They lost Cam Chancellor. They lost Bruce Irving. They lost Earl Thomas to an injury. The secondary is decimated, right? Scraps. That's, that's all they have back there is scraps. So they can, they compete with a team like the Rams, that offense, who's going to, who's going to cover Cooper cup, Robert Woods, Brandon cooks, and Todd Gurley. Just I'll wait. I will wait right here. I'll pause. I'll stop talking for a while. Tell me who they're going to cover. The answer is nobody, you know, they're not going to be able to cover anybody. So when the Rams go to play the Seahawks, which is happening this week, that's it's going to be a nasty game for the Seahawks and just knock the Seahawks down another peg, which loses confidence. And and that's one of the biggest things heading into this deep point in the season is you have to have confidence to win these games. And right now their defense is not confident. You know, you've lost a lot of pieces in that defense. So 
the the Legion of Boom or Seattle's great defense and including their 12th man because unfortunately those fans aren't on the field. You know, if those fans were on the field, maybe it'd be a different story, but we're talking about them playing the Rams. They're not really going to be able to do much of anything. You know, even if their offense plays well, your offense can't get into a shootout with them because your defense isn't there. But let's take a look at another one of our uh, games of the week. This one, I had a lot of fun watching. It was the LA Rams versus the New Orleans Saints. These are two top-tier NFC teams that just duked it out, and the Saints showed where the Rams are weak. Moral of the story, if you get a big enough lead and have a slightly resilient defense, right, you can beat the Rams. Now, both teams played really bad on defense, over 950 yards of total offense, which is just abysmal, but we're not going to get into both defenses collapsing. The main point slash takeaway here is Drew Brees is on fire, and with a medium difficulty schedule left, there's only a couple of teams that I feel could threaten that hot streak. But let's go over some game stats really quick. Jared Goff had another great game, right? He did. I'm not taking that away from him. Went 28 for 40, 391 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. The one that I'm kind of surprised about is Todd Gurley only having 13 carries and 68 yards, right? Let's take a look at the opposite side. Drew Brees, 25 for 36, 346 yards and four touchdowns. The dude had a crazy game. You can't you can't deny this guy as far as being one of the most elite quarterbacks in the league. Alvin Kamara, 19 carries, 82 yards and two touchdowns. He's an unstoppable force, right? Alvin Kamara is just an unstoppable force sometimes and you got to kind of hope that you can just ride out, just just ride it out, right? Now let's look at time of possession. Time of possession, New Orleans wins that battle 33-41 to the LA Rams 26-19, okay? That's another sizable difference. That's about six minutes, you know, give or take some seconds and stuff like that. But it's about six minutes. And those six minutes really could have... It could have decided things as far as um, as far as the game went. If if the Rams were able to keep the ball longer, convert some third downs and things like that, which we're going to go over next. New Orleans went seven for twelve on third downs, fifty eight percent efficiency. That's great. The LA Rams three for eight, thirty eight percent efficiency. That's I don't want to say abysmal because we're talking about the Rams, but for the Rams, it's abysmal. Like you can't have that, right? Now let's take another of. Uh, a, a, very serious look at probably the biggest stat, red zone. The LA Rams went three for five in the red zone while New Orleans went five for five. That is five five opportunities in the red zone and five out of five times they came out with points. Now, why did the Rams get away from the running game? Well, they were losing fast, okay? They were, they were, there was a big gap and they pushed back and they got kind of close But at the end of the day, they had to get away from the running game, start passing, because they knew they needed to score points, right? The Rams go on to play Seattle. They're heavily favored. I think they're like minus 10 points. They're going to cover that spread. I don't see Seattle stopping them at all whatsoever. The Saints, however, are heading into Cincy to play a very nasty Bengal defense. Now, the only way that the Bengals win this game is if they're able to pressure Drew Brees and limit Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is going to do well. That's just something he's going to do. But can you limit him to where he's not scoring two touchdowns and having 82 yards on the day? You just, you can't do that, you know? And it's the same thing with Drew Brees. You have to be able to pressure him, hit him, sack him, get to him. You have to stop him. If not, the Saints are going to win that game because, you know, the Bengals offense isn't 
really up to snuff with the Saints offense. So you can't necessarily have that shootout. If I was going to pick a team to have a shootout, it would have been the Rams. The Rams ended up losing in a shootout to New Orleans. So since the Bengals don't have the Rams offense, they're going to have to rely on heavy defense. So they're going to have to they're going to have to really put the pieces together and make sure that they are stopping the the Saints cons, uh, consistently. Last but certainly not least, my final game of the week, okay? This was a close one up until the fourth quarter. I'm talking about the Packers versus the Patriots. Tom Brady, yet again, shows why championships go through him, okay? I'm really starting to wonder how Rodgers is dealing with all that's going on around him. I mean, do the Packers plan to help at all? Or are they so wrapped up in the Rodgers lore that they expect him to do it all by himself? Real quick, let's take a look at some stats. Aaron Rodgers, 24 for 43. He 43 times. He had to throw the ball 43 times. Stupid. Whatever. 259 yards and two touchdowns. That's it's good. That's a good game for him. Aaron Jones, 14 carries, 76 yards. That's not bad. Tom Brady on the opposite side, 22 for 35, 294 yards through through less or completed less passes than Aaron Rodgers, but through 40 yards more than him. Right. Whatever. Just I'm, I'm just upset. You know, I'm just upset. Cordero Patterson, 11 carries for 61 yards and one touchdown. He really fits that kind of Ty Montgomery-esque role of being a wide receiver that can also be a running back. Great on him. I'm super happy for the guy. Listen to this, though. Josh Gordon, five receptions, 130 yards and one touchdown. Anybody that covers him, okay, this is anybody, they're going to have a bad day. If he's if he's getting looked at, if he's getting targeted, Josh Gordon is probably on his way to being one of the league's most elite wide receivers. You can quote me on that. This guy was good when he was playing on the Browns. He's not going to be bad anywhere else. And right now, he's at a place that's going to give him the most opportunity to shine. That's just what New England does. Time of possession, Green Bay won that, 32-34 to the Pats, 27-26, okay? Third down, Green Bay did good, 6 for 13 at about 46%, and the Pats didn't do great. They were only at 36%, going 4 for 11. So you usually want to be somewhere around like the 40 to 50% area. That's considered, you know, good. Penalty-wise, take a look at this, though. New England only had five penalties for 30 yards. That's that's five penalties that only equated to five yards like of a deficit. That's amazing, right? But look at the, the penalties for Green Bay. Seven penalties for 63 yards. If you don't think penalties weigh into you losing a game, you really need to reevaluate the way you think about football. But let's look at plays versus yards. Both teams had 69 plays. Green Bay, 368 yards on those 69 plays. And the Patriots had 433 yards on those 69 plays. It's... It's interesting because as much as I, you know, get wrapped up into the game and stuff like that, you have to focus on stats. And if you look at the stats, you can tell how the Patriots won. They limited their penalties. They got big chunks of yards and Josh Gordon was not able to be covered. That's just the way it is. Look at the look at the Josh Gordon touchdown. That crappy tackle or or attempted tackle. What is that, man? Like you you learn that when you're first playing football. You don't arm tackle somebody. Come on. You don't just it's sad. It's sad that Aaron Rodgers has to deal with this because Aaron Rodgers is 
arguably the best quarterback in the league. And he has to deal with people not giving him the opportunity to win games. That's just sad. But there's a silver lining there. Green Bay is playing Miami. They've got a good chance to win that game. If they lose that game, they're going to have to reevaluate front office and things like that. They're going to have to go over coaching, all of this stuff. I think that they should be going over coaching anyways, but that's just me. New England, however, is going on to play Tennessee, which, guess what? Your boy is going to be going to. I will be at that game. Now, I don't really have a stake in it or anything like that, but at the same time, it's going to be a lot of fun to go in and actually watch these two teams play. Tennessee is coming off a win against Dallas. New England's coming off a win against Green Bay. That's going to be a great game to watch, hopefully. Fingers crossed because I'm going to be there and paying money for tickets. I hope it's a great game. But now that we've talked about the games of the week, let's talk about some shocking division winners and what teams need to be thinking about getting to some draft picks. Okay, so let's start our shocking division winners with the AFC South. The Texans are rolling at 6-3. and three. With the favored schedule for the rest of the year and with the addition of Demarius Thomas, this team can really only move forward. Thomas had a great outing with three receptions for 61 yards, but the connection between Watson and Hopkins is really something to admire. At the beginning of the season, I would have more than likely picked uh, Jacksonville or Tennessee to win this division, but it seems like Houston might be able to run away with this one. They do face a tough Washington team. You know, that's that's not something that's going to be too easy. So defense is going to be the key along with establishing their running game. That's one of the most important things as far as... Uh, as far as doing well, you know, late in the season is uh, running the ball because you're going to need to be able to control games, especially when it comes playoff times, because you don't necessarily want to get into a shootout with anybody in the league. It's better to run the ball, control the game, make the game go how you want it to. And if you run the ball and you keep the time of possession churning and things like that, you'll be able to do that. Luckily, they have Watson, who can create plays with his legs if need be, but he actually has a really good arm. He throws pretty good passes. You know, he's very accurate. Um, But his extension of plays with his legs is really what separates him from a lot of the quarterbacks in that division. You know, you got Blake Bortles, can't run, shouldn't run, should never run. Um, Marcus Mariota, who, although, you know, he's developing and he's doing a little bit better, I haven't really seen him run a whole lot. And I don't know if it's just because the hamstring is still bothering him or what, but At the same time, I'm not expecting him to run. You know, they built an offense around him to where he should be able to pass, let his running backs do the running, let him drop back in the pocket, make good throws. That's what they need from Marcus Mariota. And then, you know, with Indianapolis, you have Andrew Luck, which is like a fragile piece of glass that should not run because if you hit him, he's probably going to break. So if if the Texans focus up and uh, win, I'd probably say if they win four four more games, if they end up some end up somewhere around the 10 and 6 area, they're going to take that division because I see the Titans probably being somewhere around 9 and 7. Um, Jacksonville, I'd probably put them somewhere around 7 and 9, something along that line. Um, and Indianapolis, we're not even going to talk about that. Whatever. Um, moving on to my last and final shock, it's actually in the NFC East with the Washington Redskins. Now, in the beginning of the season, Every expert had Philadelphia Philadelphia taking this division again, but the Redskins had some other plans, and they already have two division wins under their belt, not to mention having the league's fifth best running back, and Alex Smith seems to fit pretty well in this offense. The only worry 
that I have for the Redskins is that their injuries are piling up. They lost two linemen on Sunday and probably their most dynamic receiver, Paul Richardson. I can't talk any higher about Paul Richardson because I really love the way that that guy plays football. But they lost all three of those guys for the rest of the season. I heard today that they were doing some signings. Hopefully it evens out and they're able to lean heavily on their rushing game because they're going to need it up until the rest of the guys get up to speed and somebody steps up, which inevitably somebody's going to have to and Alex Smith is going to have to target a lot of different people. So fingers crossed that they can actually finish out the season, probably end up somewhere around, mm, I want to say 10 and 6 with them too. But I also see them maybe sitting somewhere around the 11 and 5 area. Like I, I see them doing that. I think, I think they could actually do that. Two losses going 11 and 5. I could see them doing that. So that's what I want out of the Redskins. Lean heavy on the run, but some players need to step up to, uh, to solidify that passing game because you do have a very good quarterback. So they need to make sure that they can solidify that passing game. Now let's talk about some some teams that need to be looking at some draft picks. Buffalo is sitting at two and seven. There is zero Josh Allen. I mean, he should be coming back, but we don't need to rely on Josh Allen to win games for them. At this point, I think they need to start looking towards April, try to build their offense around Allen for when he returns and try to solidify their defense, which ranks 26th in the league. That's pretty awful. LaShawn McCoy has not been producing just they, they were talking about it earlier. I was actually reading an article earlier that was talking about LaShawn McCoy's lack of production. And you kind of wonder, is it a scheme thing or is he kind of on the tail end of his career? Well, if he is, you know, you kind of got to look at the running backs that are coming out of college. You've got some good guys there. But also, maybe take a look at wide receivers because Kelvin Benjamin just keeps gaining weight. And I don't I don't really know, like maybe move him to tight end. I don't I don't I don't know. Oakland. That's another team. They're kind of already focused on draft picks. They let go of their star athletes, uh, Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. So it kind of looks like they're already trending towards uh, draft picks, considering the fact that they've racked up a good set of first rounders. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, that they either leverage these picks and pick up people in the offseason, or they have a really good draft class and Oakland builds a team around Derek Carr. Now, that's another thing where it's it's a fingers crossed kind of thing, and you kind of hope that it happens. Maybe it doesn't. We don't know what Gruden has planned, but that's where we're at right now. Arizona, it's time to start the process of an offense built around Josh Rosen. You have to. Larry Fitzgerald, although he is a great wide receiver, I do believe he's on the tail end of his career. David Johnson struggles with injuries all the time. They need to start looking at running backs. They need to start solidifying their offensive line. These are things that they can do. If they focus on draft picks, which I kind of believe they they are doing. I think they're in the process of that. San Francisco. The only reason I say San Francisco is because they lost Jarek McKinnon at the beginning of the year. And they lost Jimmy Garoppolo pretty early in the year. These guys are out for the season. Why don't you just take the hit, right? Go into the offseason. Get ready for some draft picks. Try to build an even better offense and solidify a defense around those two because those guys in the beginning, everybody was looking at those guys to rally against the Rams in that division. So if they do that, if they take their precautionary steps to make that happen, I actually think San Francisco could be a really good contender in that particular division. Now let's cap this episode off with our fantasy news of the week and Rick's picks. 
All right, so let's start the fantasy news of the week like we always do with our weekly leaders. Michael Thomas came in at number one with 31.9 points. Crazy game, 12 receptions, 211 yards, one touchdown. His next game is at Cincinnati. You should probably look for another big one. This guy, he kind of kills it, you know. Alvin Kamara, he's always on this list. Came in at 33.6. Just week after week, this guy is constantly topping the list as far as fantasy points go. Kareem Hunt is another guy, always tops the charts. He's going to play a weak Arizona team, so he's going to go bananas. He had 33.1 points. Look for this guy to go off all over again. Now let's talk about some free agent finds. Mike Davis, the running back for Seattle. Chris Carson might be missing some time, and Mike Davis could provide a solid fill-in role. Ito Smith. Keep your eyes on how Atlanta uses this running back since Devontae Freeman is gone. Jack Doyle, the tight end for the Indianapolis Colts. Doyle shows promise, but a lot of leagues are picking up on his potential. So if he's still a free agent, it might not be a bad idea to swoop him up, especially if you're thin at the tight end position. Lastly, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It's a very hard name to pronounce, but he's slowly becoming one of Aaron's go-to guys. Many teams play heavy on uh, Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham. So Marquez Valdez-Scantling kind of steps in that role and takes it up a little bit, which is what I like about him. So look for him to have another big week. Now let's go over my picks. I'm taking the Steelers over the Panthers, Saints over the Bengals, Falcons over the Browns, Bears over the Lions, Chiefs over the Cardinals, obviously, Patriots over the Titans, Redskins over the Bucks, Bills over the Jets. I know that's kind of interesting, but Bills over the Jets, Jaguars over the Colts, Chargers over the Raiders, Rams over the Seahawks, Packers over the Dolphins, Cowboys over the Eagles. Big division game. I think Cowboys are going to come out with that one. And the Niners over the Giants where uh, I don't think Eli Manning is going to get it on track against the 49ers. And the 49ers, even though they're you know missing a lot of starters, they're actually playing really, really, really tough. Okay, so that's it for me. That's my time. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review all good points on your favorite podcast platform. I'm coming to Nashville, Tennessee to watch the Titans play. So hit me up on Instagram. And remember, whenever you get into an argument about sports to use all good points. Thank you, guys. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.